My name is Jenna. I can't tell you my last name or where I'm from. That would just help the Yerks. They'd love to find me and my friends. They'd love to know who we are, even what we are. And what are we? Podcast hosts. Delights, the weekly podcast where we read and discuss the Animorph books. This week, Brent and I read Book 11, The Forgotten. Jake is experiencing memory flashes in which he appears to be in a jungle, but he doesn't tell anyone. Tobias has discovered an experimental bug fighter crashed into a grocery store, and the Animorphs infiltrate to investigate. They spur of the moment decide to steal it and land it on the White House lawn, but Axe loses control and they end up facing Visor 3's blade ship in space. Both ships fire a Dracon beam, which meet in the middle and cause a Sario Rip, a wormhole that sends both ships back in time by a few hours. They crash land in a South American jungle, destroying the ship. Axe tells the group that they can't coexist in the same time as themselves, and the Paradox will unwrite them once they reach the moment in the future when they traveled back in time. They can do this by recreating the original Dracon Smash. Some random jungle hijinks later, they attempt to sneak up on the blade ship's crash site, only to be immediately caught and swallowed whole by Visor 3 in a vine-limbed tree monster morph. Jake regains consciousness at the time of his first memory flash. Talking to Axe, he learns that the other secret way they could return to the original timeline is if they all died. And that's the book. I thought it was just if Jake died, since he was the only real person there. I couldn't really figure that out, Brent. I'm going to lay it out on the line for you. This book written for uh, young teen readers kind of flummoxed me. It does not really hold up to scrutiny in its portrayal of time travel and predestination and shared paradox time states. Yeah, so Jake's flashbacks are because he's the only real person who makes it through the timeline, and because he dies, the timeline snap back into place, and he's able to prevent them from going on the suicide mission in the first place? Yeah, but because he dies, he explicitly doesn't make it through the timeline. So the, in avoiding the paradox, they have created a paradox. I mean, also, the whole thing is like, well, because you survived, you're the one who remembers it, which causes you to survive. Why? Obviously, we now understand why they don't have to actually make plans that are good, because whatever is going to happen in the Animorphs universe is just fated to happen. It's confusing. And it's not even confusing because the Illumist is here bullshitting around. Right. This is I forgot. Oh, God, I didn't even make a note about this. <laughs> I forgot that time travel happened before the Elemis started dicking around. Yeah, I mean, we already had one book where the Elemis dicked around with the timeline and created a paradox in which the Animorphs know the future because they've seen the future. Right. And, and then in, change the future. <laughs> in, in this one, the, the time travel happens because it's a me, Sario. Ah, uh, uh, that was a good one. We already talked about how we both read it as Sanrio Rip. Yeah, Rip. So much so, so much so that I wrote down Sanrio Rip in my notes instead of Sario Rip. <laughs> the Hello Kitty morph is a hell of a drug. 
<laughs> she's so lithe and powerful. She just makes you feel strong. Oh my god. I mean, there's so much in here. Okay, so I guess I'll just start with meta commentary in the whole book. I thought that Jake uh, is becoming like a way better writer than he used to be. So much so that I had to go look up whether the ghostwritten books had started yet. Because frankly, oh, Jake's writing in this is way more entertaining, of course. K.A. Applegate had to throw in the sci-fi equivalent of it was all just a dream at the end because the, I'm not allowed to just enjoy a Jake book on its own merits. <laughs> it has your enjoyment has to be unwritten. Yeah, there's all yeah, there's all it's always tainted by something. <laughs> yeah, I've also been starting to think about the presence of ghostwriters because I think the last couple books have been a lot there is less emphasis on body horror than the original books. Not that there isn't still horror elements. It just seems like they're sprinkled with more comedic elements. It really seems to me like Kay Applegate's taken a, a sharp left turn from body horror into ant horror. Yeah, there's a, a an, <laughs> an extra large amount of ant horror in this book. <laughs> It's very upsetting. Oh, it really, ugh, it really is. Yeah, Rachel is attacked by some Hork-Bajirs while in a bear morph, and a, a swarm of ant colony, an ant colony swarms on her, eating her flesh and crawling into her mouth and her ears. And her eyes. Oh, it's real bad. And Jake has to, like, lure a counter colony over onto her using tufts of bear hair and flesh that he pulls off her body. He's lucky that that wasn't just another mound from the same colony. I mean, in the jungle, anything goes. <laughs> uh, uh, it, that was pretty upsetting. It's pretty upsetting that you just made me wonder if they used Welcome to the Jungle in the television adaptation of the story. I doubt this one made it. I feel like the they probably cut some stuff from the show, and I would not be surprised if this jungle episode got cut. Are you kidding? It was just a dream all along is made for television. And that's true, especially youth sci-fi television. Of course, they probably reframed it outside of the jungle just for shooting costs. Yeah, it's in some sort of evergreen woods instead. This The ant bit reminded me, did you ever have to read that sto short story in high school where... There were ants coming up on this dude's plantation, and he had to keep digging ditches and filling them with oil and burning the ants, and yet the ants still came? No. No? Fuck. I assume it was Fuck. a metaphor for something. Tell me more. I don't remember, because I read it in high school, and I've read a lot of other better things since, but I, I remember this story vividly, because I think some dude gets swarmed by ants and eaten. Or maybe I was just thinking about high school, because this book opens with them square dancing, because and that's something I remember having to do in high school gym. Fuck. It was line <laughs> dancing. Oh, you had to line dance? If I, like, if I ever hear the electric slide, I have flashbacks. Oh, you had to, like, modern line dance? Oh, well, Did you have to do the Cupid Shuffle, too? We had to do Boot Scoot and Boogie and Electric yes. Slide. That was the... We definitely actually square danced. Oof. And I remember some people getting super into it because we're from Illinois. Yeah, we're from rural Illinois. When we say Illinois, people think Chicago. No, we're from the shitty part. Yeah, we're from the country part. So there were people, there were definitely classmates of mine who were like, square dancing, the, the best. I know we've got a, at least a couple Twitter followers who know what the fuck we're talking about. But this isn't a podcast about our shitty high school experience. <laughs> it's a podcast about the Animorphs and their fucking terrible plans. Oh my god. So <laughs> when, they're, uh, when they're in the Safeway, because it's explicitly a Safeway. 
unnecessarily explicitly a safe way. Yeah, well, maybe necessarily explicitly because they do exist in the Bay Area. Oh, yeah? Okay. Okay, so it doesn't, it's not disproving our locational. Right, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't really add anything, but maybe she's dropping hats. So when they're, when they're in the Safeway there, they're trying to figure out how do they make it into the, the experimental bug fighter and demorph. Mm-hmm. Jake's plan is Tobias fly into the Safeway and distract them. All these dudes with machine guns, Tobias, <laughs> fly in here and distract them. Put your body on the line, Tobias. What do you have to live for, Tobias? God. And then they don't really, like, he, he didn't think it through far enough to what does Tobias do after they're all in the bug fighter. And, and, and not like it matters, because if Tobias wasn't there for the rest of the book, it wouldn't have mattered because nothing in this book mattered. That Well, yeah. Yeah, that's fucking true. Also, the, 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 idea, the, the idea that they're going to fly this bug fighter onto the White House lawn and meet the president and expose aliens is so, is such a fucking buck wild plan. I can't decide if that's terminally stupid or a little <laughs> bit genius. I really can't. I think it's both, because it's not, it's not their worst plan. Which... It's a very <laughs> dumb plan, though. <laughs> right. Also, I'm not sure it would have the effect that they want. I'm having trouble envisioning a scenario in which the upper echelons of the federal government find out about an undetectable, like, invisible invasion, yeah. and it turns out well for the American people in general. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, it, we would have to rename witch hunts alien hunts because that's what it would become. Right, like step one, just nuke whatever Bay Area city the the Animorphs are from. Also, once you once you landed on the lawn, you're you're pretty well burned. Yeah, you guys aren't getting out of there unless you more flies and fly away, which you might actually do. Except for fucking Tobias again, they're gonna open that and fight a red, red-tailed hawk in there, and he's gonna be in prison the rest of his life, and not the metaphorical prison of his hawk body. It, it'll be Tobias and his shorm axe in Andaline oh. form because he's the only one who ever shows up demorphed. So <laughs> that's true. At least they'll have their shorm for a Sally. Yeah, that's sweet. Yeah, when you put it like that, that makes it seem like maybe it'd be a little okay. Not really even a little, but... No, no. Okay, the whole concept of the Surio Rip, it being opened by two Dracon beams hitting each other, is already pretty buckwild. Because, like, how does that not happen pretty frequently? Apparently it happens frequently enough that they teach about it in Andalite High School. So, <laughs> yeah. so that's, yeah, like, obviously it happens a lot. But they clearly only spend like a day on it because Axe explicitly twice in this book mentions that he wasn't paying attention that day in class because of a girl that he liked. And also because there was a big game coming up and he was super distracted by the big game. Yeah, there was a big game and an attractive female. <laughs> yeah. Do you think Axe tried out for the Andalite equivalent of the basketball team and didn't make it even though Elfangor did? Do you think he's Andalite Jake? Is that? I think he's, that's fucking exactly what I think. I think he's Andalite Jake. I really want to know what Andalite sports are like. Do you think that they play polo, but just without a horse because they've got four legs? <laughs> is that just Andalite croquet? That would be amazing. See, I was thinking some variant on like the Fruit Ninja game where instead of <laughs> catch, catching balls. <laughs> yes. Instead of catching balls, they have to slice them. Holy shit, And you have to slice a number at the same time. I'm imagining martial arts-style tournaments like that. But that doesn't really sound like a big game, though, right? 
No, I guess not. What dehumanizing shit do you think they make Andalite cheerleaders wear? Oh, dear. I mean, Andalites don't any wear amount clothes. of clothes. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I'm going to assume that they have to wear tank tops, and that's like the worst thing. They got to wear hats. They can't wear tank tops. They don't have torsos. That's <laughs> that's true. That's true. They don't have torsos. So what are they wearing? Uh, I don't know. I do fucking love that this is at least the second time it's been brought up that Axe does not pay attention in no. class. He's not He's not a very good student. Uh, it's very funny. I think that that's part of why I think he's the Andalite Jake. Because I don't get the impression Jake's a great student either. And he's clearly not the best at sports. He might be good, but he's not, the, he's, not, he's not good enough. He's got other skills. We just, other than winking, we don't know what they are. But he's getting better at writing. That's true. He is, his, his language skills are improving. Wait, we never we never concluded. So, are is this book ghostwritten? Oh no, no, those don't start until like the late twenties, early thirties. I don't think. Damn, that's a lot later than I had anticipated. Yeah, this is one hundred percent K. Applegate. Okay, well, good. Okay, I, I'm. So this must be a conscious character choice for Jake to be getting better at writing. Yeah, which I appreciate. Actually, it's a little bit of a relief. I mean, this book, I mean, the last couple Jake books we've gotten have been really focused on Tom and his Tom anxiety, which is fair, but not very interesting. That's true. In this one, we find out that Jake has about the same opinion of himself that we do. No. <laughs> which is a little sad, but like not wrong, I guess. Yeah, it made me feel more sympathetic for him. He has a lot of anxiety in this book about his skills as a leader. He doesn't really want to be a leader. Everybody else just decided that he's the leader. Yeah, this book is more about Jake's struggle with his belief that he's not a good leader. And that's unfortunate because this book is literally marked... Every moment at which he makes a bad choice, we get this ominous foreshadowing about what a shitty choice it is. Uh, And so that's hard to... He got scot-free at the end of this book for all of the bad choices he makes. But I can't see that doing a great boost to his self-esteem for the next book. Yeah... Yeah, because he still remembers all the shitty choices he made, even if he doesn't have the morphs to back them up. Yeah, and even if the other Animorphs don't remember it, he remembers it, and he'll know forever. Continuing to talk about Axe, I'm really amused that his fucking racism is what got them into this situation in the first place. Because when they see that it's an experimental bug fighter, and they come up with this ridiculous plan to fly into the White House, Jake's like, oh yeah, Axe. Do you think you can fly that? And he's like, of course, I can handle primitive yerk technology. (laughs) And then they get in there and he's like, "Uh, I I think I figured out where the power button is. Yeah, he fucks up almost immediately. And that's that's like why they end up outside of Visor 3's blade ship. Because he fucks up so bad. He really does. He really does. He just assumes he's got it on lock. And then, yeah. Yeah, I like that you phrase it as his racism. Because that's really what it is. He just assumes the Yerks can't do shit. Even though this is a new and exciting bug fighter. He's just like, nah, they ain't shit. Also, despite the fact that the Yerks have managed to successfully conquer at least three planets. Yeah, under the Andalites' noses. Right. Or nose slits, I should say. Say what you want about their motivations, that aside from Visor 3, there obviously is some competence going on there. That's true. And we all know Visor 3's motivation is just to swallow whatever he can whole. Oh, God. <laughs> he, he finally gets to do in this book. But he won't remember it. 
yeah, that's the tragic thing. He finally fulfills his life desires of swallowing a bunch of people, I guess. And he won't get to remember it because it was un- unwritten. Oh, it's made explicit, too, that it's non-digestive swallowing. So this is 100% Vora compatible. <laughs> yeah. I-, I thought it was so weird that he has, like, a tree animal morph. Like a tentacle, like a literal tentacle monster tree animorph. Uh, tree morph that he uses to just fu- fucking swallow everybody whole. Well, what else would Visser 3 fucking use it for? Absolutely nothing else. In fact, I assume he only acquired it because he saw it swallow something whole and was like, that's my jam. That's what I do. (laughs) That's my jam and butter. I like to swallow my jam and butter whole. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. We we do find out in this book, we, we get a couple of lingering questions that we've had about how morphine works answered. Yeah. We find out that morphine does, in fact, get rid of poison. Because Jake, uh, as a tiger, it says it's in his tiger morph, right? I think it's in his tiger morph. He gets shot by one of the uh, poison arrows from the question mark jungle tribe that they meet. I thought he got bit by a snake. Oh, you're right. He got bit by a snake. Yeah. We'll get to the question mark jungle tribe. Yeah, Jake gets bit by a snake in tiger morph and gets poisoned. And then everybody's like, morph out, morph out, morph out. And he does. And it's like, okay, now we're cool. Yeah, question answered. Obviously, morphine does get rid of poison, which leads to more questions, because does morphine get rid of disease? Oh, shit. Like, if one of them had, like, a cancerous tumor, would morphine get rid of it? Or even, like, the flu. Well, this also raises questions that I've had that I think we'll cycle back to in this podcast once we get to the book that I'm thinking of, uh, about aging. Oh, yeah. Will they age and will their morphs age? Because we've had, because Rachel's bear morph is nearsighted because the bear that she got it from was old and nearsighted. But is that bear ever going to get older in her morph? I mean, it, I assume not. Uh, we, I really have no idea. I have no idea either. I guess maybe the boar, bear morph, or I guess each of their morphs get two hours older. And then when they morph out and morph back, <laughs> it's back to the original form. <laughs> So I guess Tobias is still going to age as a hawk. It doesn't update the DNA in real time because they grow back limbs and stuff. Yeah, that's true. So the morphs must not age unless you get stuck in them. And then I assume they age as normal. I'm pretty sure Tobias is aging as normal. I think that says some grim things about his future in these books. Because red red tail hawks don't... I don't think they live like super... I don't think they live human long, especially if you start out as a 12-year-old boy... I don't think they'd live that long. Maybe not in the wild. It's a hard knock life out there. Get eaten by a falcon. So the other thing we learned about morphing is that you can't acquire a morph secondhand. Mm-hmm. So you can't like touch somebody who's morphed and get their morph, which is a good question because I always wanted them to like, I wanted them to get some weird alien morphs from Axe. Oh, yeah. And use that to like confirm Visor 3's very wrong-headed assumption that they're all Andalites. Just do like the morphine equivalent of a chicken box party? Yes, exactly. You want to, yeah, daisy chain different morphs mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. To, to throw them off the scent. Not that he needs much encouragement. I mean, it's weird that they haven't all acquired Axe uh, anyway. Yeah, I think so too. I I'm, it, think there's a chance that that might also be weird because what if... Visor 3's Andalite recognizes that they're all the same Andalite? Oh, no, totally. I was just thinking that way it wouldn't always have to be Axe who was the Andalite. That it could be catch. the same Andalite every time. 
Oh. But sometimes it could be one of the others as acts. That's a good strategy. They really should do that. I mean, I guess you could still tell with the thought speech, maybe, that it was a human. Yeah, that hasn't quite been borne out yet, but I'm certain it will at some point. Seems like half the time when they go into combat, Axe is just in his Andalite form anyway. So obviously, the people who don't have a better combat form than Wolf. Which doesn't seem like a great combat form to me, but it's Cassie, so I, I can understand her not wanting like a super great bear morph. Maybe it only just, it looks lame compared to tigers and bears and gorillas. Yeah, that's true. I mean, he's got a pretty sick blade, and that has come in handy quite a lot. Yeah, I, they're lucky that nobody got tumbled into that when the bug fighter was plummeting to Earth and they were getting tossed all around. Yeah, no kidding. I had the same thought. We actually, so we do bullet points for the the things that we want to talk about, and we almost point by point had the same bullet points for this this book. And that was one of them that I was surprised that you also thought about. <laughs> it's it's pretty wild. We were we we're definitely simpatico in our reading of this. And that makes it all the more tragic that at the end of this book, it all gets unwritten. I'm so, so fucking spicy about that. <laughs> Tell me about how spicy you are, Brent. I'm so spicy. <laughs> is it just like, is it just like because Jake makes all of these choices and then feels bad about them, but then they all get unwritten? It's just, part of it's just, it's such a lame ending. In a series that does some other really interesting things with sci-fi, it does feel a little lazy. Part of it is also that it just, it doesn't even make any fucking sense no it's absolutely confusing they all exist on the same timeline in two places he's not the only one that went through the sanrio rift by the way that's just how i'm gonna say it for the rest of this episode <laughs> which i support entirely uh he's not the only one that went through the sanrio rip and he died at the end he didn't make it through so yeah they what all the fuck? they all died at the end yeah like, they were all they were all swallowed and presumably in visor three's possession I, I don't get it. So it's not even a lame, it's not even just a lame trope as an ending. It's also a lame trope as an ending and it doesn't even make any goddamn sense. And it's frustrating to me because this book, again, was finally about Jake and not about Tom. It was about Jake and his leadership, but all of those leadership choices that he made and struggled with were all unwritten. And it, it feels like at the end, we've got another like almost sitcom laughing ending. <laughs> Feels like maybe he didn't really actually learn anything about the choices that he makes and how they affect his team. I mean, it's a lot to ask of a teenager with PTSD, I suppose. I Yeah, sometimes I worry we're too hard on Jake. We, I mean, we kind of are, but part of that's because up until this book, his writing has been so bad that I had no sympathy. That's true. I like him mostly because Cassie likes him. And if, she, <laughs> and if she'll vouch for him, I'll, I'll, I'll trust I'll trust. Sure, but you know, she did. We did see part one of her plan to replace him with Axe. Horrifying. What a terrifying thing to say. (laughs) (laughs) What a really upsetting thing to hear out loud. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I guess that's true. They all have, they've got, they've got to spare any of them if any of them goes down. You took it to a dark place, Brent. I mean, let's be real. This is the Animorphs. It started in a dark place. That's true. And it'll end in a darker place. Speaking of Jake's leadership, this is another book where Jake just straight up withholds important info from the rest of the team for apparently no reason. That was super weird to me, especially because he's sort of been on 
the backs of some of the other Animorphs about them withholding information. That's super vital. Not Marco, because he's totally on with Marco holding back the fact that Vizzer One is his mom. But like in this, like the second book, he gets on Rachel's back about withholding information about her friend. It's so much to the point where he sneaks on her back as a flea. <laughs> he literally gets on her back about it. Uh, he literally does. Animal puns. Fuck. But in this book, yeah, in this book, he's having these weird flashes and he doesn't tell anybody. And the thing is, his excuse for it's really lame because he's like, oh, yeah, I thought I was just losing my mind. But no, dude, you guys have had shit like this happen before several times. Yeah, you know for a fact that time travel exists and is possible, but you, like, you see a flash forward with Marco, and it doesn't occur to you that this might be something. Like, it might be something you mentioned to somebody. Right, and you have an alien. Granted, he's not, like, a good student, but he knows some (laughs) stuff. He did know about the Sanrio rip. Yeah, he knew about the Sanrio rip. He didn't remember a lot about it, but he, he knew, you know, the general area of that whole thing he knew enough to remember that dying in the future means you return to the past if that's what happened i think you kill yourself and then you go back to the original timeline and then you take the road less traveled and that makes all the difference yes and paradoxes uh are bad enough to kill you but also they're a total legit way to return to your original timeline I'm very so, confusing. So fucking spicy about this book. <laughs> I like your spiciness, Brent. I just i I was really enjoying it. I was like, finally, a Jake book that I'm just enjoying on its own terms. And then K had to pull the pull the fucking football out from in front of me every goddamn time. K A. <laughs> this is, I, it's a useful book in that we get some important questions about morphing answered and i i always want more specific information about morphs so that uh my fan fiction is uh more on point speaking of fan fiction you know what hecate does in this book oh yeah tell me fucking nothing because nothing oh. fucking happens I'm oh sorry. yeah i'm sorry brent yeah. i didn't mean to pull the kickball pull the football away from you again story of my goddamn life do we do we want to talk about the question marks South American tribes people? Are we equipped to do oh, that? Absolutely not. It seemed weird. I mean, I know there are tribes, and it, it seemed legit to me that they would speak some Spanish, not a lot of Spanish, but Portuguese. some Spanish. Or Portuguese, as the case may be. Which, according to Marco, second-generation immigrants are basically the same. I, I thought, more than anything, I thought it was an interesting look at, at Marco and his heritage. This, this book, I think, does that thing that a lot of 90s media does, where it has people of color, but they don't have any sort of heritage, or they don't experience anything outside of what like a white boy Marco's age would experience. Like they don't ever experience racism or struggles with a white identity the way that uh, a lot of people actually do. Sure, it's the it's the kid vid and the Burger King Kids Club inclusivity situation. What did you just? What even are you talking about, Brent? Okay, it's the Captain Planet and the Planeteers inclusivity situation. Yes, it's exactly that, Brent. So I thought it was interesting that we got this peek into how how Marco's family life was, because he doesn't seem to speak very much, if any, Spanish. I mean, I I think that's fair. I think that's a fair portrayal of, like, a second-generation American, where 
He's not really in touch with that part of his heritage, but it it did seem weird that he was like, Spanish, Portuguese, Eh, same difference. (laughs) Like, nah. Also, it's very weird, very weird to me that when that tribesperson introduced himself as Polo, Jake is the one who said, hi, my name's Jake. They didn't immediately go, this is Marco, because it's right fucking there. It's right there. (laughs) It is right there. It's so, it's so, it's so. Polo, Marco. Yeah, how did Marco, how did Marco not tone into that? Of all people, goddamn. He's never seen a joke that was low effort enough for him to not bother with. That's, and as we have seen throughout the this series, and I respect that, but how could he miss, how could he miss this one? I'm not angry at Marco, I'm just disappointed. <laughs> angry at Kay Applegate for this fucking ending! <laughs> I liked at one point she was... She wrote that in order to describe the jungle, you'd have to be, quote, a poet and a scientist and a horror writer. And I was like, yeah, that is that you, K.A.? Is that your epitaph? Is yeah. that you describing yourself? It totally is, though, isn't it? Yeah, which I like a lot. I think it's fair. It's accurate. She's really good. I do love K.A. I'm just, I am just also just disappointed in this book. Like, I'm spicy about the book, but I, let's don't get it twisted. I love you, K.A. Applegate, and you're a very good writer. Yeah, we love you, K.A. Thank you for giving us these books. <laughs> Thank you so much. I, I wanted to talk about Visser 3's... Okay, so like two things about Visser 3 in this. One, uh, towards the end, Visser 3 just fucking sees Jake morph from leopard to human to monkey. And I get it doesn't matter because none of this happened, it turns out. But he doesn't, he's not like shocked at all. He's just like, oh, is that your final morph, Andalite Bandit? <laughs> Dude, you you just saw that happen. What's what's wrong with you? Visor 3 wants so much for them to be Andalites. Maybe this is Visor 3's racism against humans that he wants so much for it to be Andalites. He'll deny the knowledge of his own eyes. He really wants those Andalites in his tummy, safe <laughs> and warm and just compressed. I mean, that maybe that's what it is. Like, he can eat a human at any time. So eating a human that can morph, that's nothing. I mean, he's and still going to do it. Yeah, oh yeah, he's still going to do it. But that's like, I don't know, that's like eating celery. It's just, you know, it's nothing. <laughs> it burns more calories swallowing no, a human andalite no. whole than... Anyway, I, that's I, that's the only thing I can assume. Like, he wants him to be andalite <laughs> so much because that's such a gourmet taste. <laughs> Visser 3 has never struck me as a gourmand or a foodie. No, more a glutton, but I don't know. He's got to have something to live for. <laughs> it's not his career because he's very bad at it. The other thing about Visser 3 is at, at the end, they figure out that for a lot of this book, they operate under the impression that in order to get back to their own time before their Sanrio rip catches up and kills everybody, erases everybody, they're operating under the impression that they have to recreate the original Sanrio rip by having the bug fighters drake on beams and the blade chips drake on beams hit, and they can't do it without the computer that they took out of the bug fighter. So when they're going over their plan for this, Jake is like, well, we could bargain with Visser 3 since he needs us to get home too, but he can't be trusted. And like, 
I think maybe he could have been if you hadn't fucking burned him so hard last time you bargained <laughs> and he went along with it. Because he got skunked and you're like, oh yeah, grape juice will cure it. You got out of that. You literally cheated him and you're like, yeah, Visser 3 can't be trusted to bargain. No shit, dude. No shit. Not anymore. That's yeah. a bridge you burned, Jake. Yeah, that was a choice you made for the team, Jake. I never thought I would find myself defending Visser 3. <laughs> Or his competence or trustworthiness, but holy shit, Jake, here I am. You made me do it. Yeah, I mean, Visser 3 did approach their last deal open-handed and, and reeking of skunk, but Jake is the one who, who burned him. It's a good point. Yeah. It's pretty outrageous. It's really outrageous. Truly, truly, truly outrageous. That's good. That one's Jim. I get that one. Navi. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Fandalites, the weekly podcast where we read and discuss the Animorph books. This week, Brent and I read Book 11, The Forgotten. In this book, nothing happens. That'll be it for this week. Thanks for listening to Fandalites, the weekly podcast where we talk about the Animorphs. <laughs> uh, if you've got any commentary or fan art, Please hit us up on Twitter at Fandalites. Email us, fandalites at gmail.com. We're on Tumblr at fandalites.tumblr.com. Thanks to Dust Nodell for the use of his music for our intro and outro. You can find his stuff at dustnodell.bandcamp.com. And hey, if you like this, share it with your friends and your family and your coworkers and anybody you meet on the street. Rate it and on, on iTunes or your podcast client of choice. All of my favorite podcasts tell me that that really does help. Yeah, I don't know what it does, but they say it helps, and so I do it, because I love the podcast that I listen to. Uh, next week, we'll be reading Animorphs number 12, The Reaction. Then we'll post our reactions to it in podcast form for you to listen to. But not next week, because next week is Thanksgiving, so look for it the week after. All right, so we'll see you then, guys, and remember, nostalgia is a drug. Nostalgia is a drug.